Hello everyone and welcome to the latest instalment of the Christian Creatives podcast series. And in this series, I discuss sources of inspiration, practicalities and managing confidence with creatives from different disciplines. So today, my guest is Dr. Ian Jimerson, and as well as being a doctor, Ian is also a singer-songwriter and a collaborator with Sanctuary First, and my co-host on the (laughs) Friday Night Weekly Review. So welcome, Ian. Hello. Hi, Laura. How are you doing? It's good to see you. (laughs) Oh, it's good to have you on, Ian, because we can't have this series of Christian Creatives podcast without you. <laughs> but it's, it's a shame. I know, it's, you just got to get through it though. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to have you on it because I'm sure that, I'm sure that um, those that watch our weekly review would be like, why should not get Ian on you? <laughs> that man of many talents. <laughs> or, or, or maybe more, um, please don't have Ian Jamison on. <laughs> Uh, so Ian, I'm really fascinated actually by by you and your life um, because I just think it's amazing how you are able to combine being a doctor and all the responsibility that that entails with also, you know, being a singer-songwriter. So mm-hmm. I was wanting to know how... Um, how how did that come about? Because I would imagine, you know, like being a doctor is a vacation. Uh-huh. Um, so you must have had this call on your life from an early age. But I think as well, you know, being a musician is also a, a call on your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so could you tell us a wee bit about what it was like for the for the young the young Ian and maybe <laughs> what that was like for you kind of wrestling with that? Well, it's, 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 a, it's a wee while ago now, for sure. Um, the, the, the thing with it, the, the music thing kind of started when I was at school. And uh, at school, my mum made me. She made me in primary school go and take violin lessons. And I hate the violin. It was, it was absolute torture. So I just thought this is a thing you had to get through. But I always had a, you know, a, a real love for music. Um, and when I was... Um, when I was at school, I discovered the guitar. And the great thing about the guitar was if you played the guitar and you stood in front of a microphone, girls fancied you. And I thought, this is an absolutely winning combination. How, how good can this be? So I played in a heavy metal covers band. Um, and I was the bass player in the band. Um, and eventually, I kind of, my mum and dad took me on holiday in one of these early kind of. Um, or early 80s holidays to America um, and I started to really play the guitar at that point I just picked up a guitar because it was one of these things where we, we, we didn't have much money as a family so we, we got over to the States and pretty much what we did was to stay with relatives uh-huh. and the relative had down the stairs he had a guitar um, and I picked up the guitar and my whole thing was about like harmony and arranging and stuff. And he had a wee organ down there as well with pedals and all that. Uh-huh. Um, and I quite like Rush. And I realised I could play the guitar and then I could play bass pedals at the same time. And I thought, oh, this is fantastic. So when I got home to my band um, uh, in the school, um, 
I, 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 I went from being the bass player to the guitar player because it just turned out I could play guitar better than anybody else in the band. So that's <laughs> my job. Um, but, but, you know, as a band, they, 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 were, they were pretty professional wee outfit. And um, oh. we did a lot of gigs, even as a school band, um, out with the school. So we would play in like pubs and clubs and what have you. Um, and I remember once my songwriting mate, a guy called Alan Topping, um, Alan and I, uh, we once got offered to be the backing band for two strippers in Solcoats. Um, but but my, <laughs> my mum and dad weren't very keen on that. So <laughs> so that kind of didn't happen. Um, but we were, we were out and about and we were playing and, and we, we, we kind of felt that this was something we wanted to do. And for myself... Um, it was something that I wanted to do but for me like music um, was all about like communication uh-huh. and that was my big thing uh-huh. um, and it, what what really interested me about medicine bizarrely because I don't do this as a speciality was um, again from this American holiday that I was on uh-huh. uh, the guy we were staying with was a psychiatrist and I thought, I really like this idea, you know, this whole psychiatric communication thing. Um, and uh, that that was part of my decision to to do medicine because I thought I really I, I would have loved to have done done music at that stage. Uh-huh. Um, and we had been, as I say, we had been doing gigs out with and what have you, and, and um, you know, we we're quite a pro- professional wee band in, in a lot of ways. We we're quite mm-hmm. good good for a school band. Um, In fact, I remember our very last concert in the school, um, we'd become friends with um, a guy who owned a big touring company that would do massive bands like, you know, U2 and all this kind of stuff. Uh And he had this huge PA, this huge PA system. It was like, I don't know, 2000 watts of PA. It was the big old fashioned stacks. Our last concert in the school, we set this up in the assembly hall and they could hear the band in Millport. And when people stood in front of the, the speakers, <laughs> their thighs would wobble because of the sound pressure levels. It oh was fantastic. Um, but no, so I thought I needed to do something with my life. And my mum and dad were like, you need to do something that's going to make you money. Um, because back in those days, it was like, you know, you grew up, um, you got a job, you got married, you had wains, which is pretty kind of much what I actually ended up doing. Um, and it, And just medicine was a thing that kind of came up it seemed to be a thing that that I I would do but I I wouldn't say that I was a in fact I wasn't a studious kind of child I'm dyslexic Mm -hmm. so I I don't I I find it quite difficult to learn from books and what have you I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm more an activist than I am anything else in my life and uh, anyway long story short uh, it kind of came to the crunch point and I kind of fell into medicine in a way I know, and that's that's crazy because kids today that that break their backs to get into medical school, um, I feel for them. You know, I, I really do. They they have to try and climb such a high mountain and reach such a high bar to get into medical school. But I, I kind of felt. I, I mean, obviously I studied and obviously I got the grades, but it didn't really feel like that to me. And I was still music was very much in my heart. Uh-huh. Um, but I did a lot of music around the church at the same uh-huh. time. So I sang in the church choir, um, I played songs in the church. Um, so God was very much kind of like 
in my heart and a kind of evolving appreciation of what God was. So God was very much in some of the some of the music I was already doing. And when uh-huh. I was eighteen, and this you know this is years ago now, but that's when I first started playing with Albert. That's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So when did this partnership come about? Then how well, how did it come about? Well, bizarrely, you see, bizarrely, going to university to do medical school was more like going to music college for me because <laughs> loads of stuff in my music life kicked off at that point. I, uh-huh. I kind of notched up a gear. And I met Albert, I'd be about 18, uh, leaving school at that point. And um, he kind of invited me on board to play guitar with Bogle Band. Mm-hmm. And he wrote a bunch of songs for a very, very old album of ours called The Lamplighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of realised that I wrote songs as well. And we'd started to kind of write together. And we've been doing that ever since, from then until now. And that's more years than I would care to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, and Bogle Band did a, lot, did a lot of gigs. Bogle Band at that time did a, a whole lot of gigs. Albert was obviously a young minister. Um, it was part of his ministry. The music was a big part of his ministry, as okay. was the songwriting. Um, and I got to play in big studios in Glasgow and around Scotland, where we'd be recording tracks for for albums and and uh, records and and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and that so that's what it was like. And when I went to university, of course, as I say, I, the medicine was kind of happening in the background. And I wasn't really that interested in that. It was fine. It was quite interesting stuff, but it didn't really, I don't know, it didn't really do it for me. But the music thing was was a big thing. Uh-huh. And I met up with my other long-term collaborator, a guy called Campbell Dye. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Cam, Campbell's also, as you know, writes for Sanctuary First. Yes. Uh, Campbell's had a bunch of videos on the, the website. Campbell and I have a band now called 316, but it used to be called something different back in the mists of time. And Campbell and I met up at university really pretty early on. Um, I was doing a lot of singing at the time. So I was singing a lot of choirs and touring with them. Um, and you could do that at St Andrews. So big shout out St Andrews, brilliant education, a rounded education for a doctor, I think, because uh-huh. it allowed you that play, that space to be creative. Uh-huh. Um, it sounds like there's, there was real, because that's the thing, like so often you hear now, especially uh, people that are training for medicine and it just takes over their whole life. And it sounds like, you know, through the music and all your creative pursuits, that you that you had a good rounded balance, you know, yeah, that you know, yeah, it's a good yeah. good balance in your life. I, to, to be honest, I think that's essential to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. I think if you're going to be an effective doctor, then actually socializing, getting out you know, getting out of your own headspace and doing something totally different is is, is to me it's it's essential and it's part of me and mm-hmm. so the exams kind of got passed and that was good but we were doing a lot of playing and Campbell and I were doing a lot of playing um, music so I really did as I say I felt St Andrews was more like going to music college than anything <laughs> and and we kind of came to a time where um, as a band the Bogle band were doing their thing mm-hmm. and well oiled music was up and running so we were we were kind of releasing stuff you know, every couple of years or what, what, what have you. Um, but our own Campbell and I's band all got a wee bit of interest in uh-huh. the band itself. And there kind of came a point towards the, when I went, changed from my preclinical years to my clinical years in medicine, where it was, well, what do you want to do with this? Because uh-huh. if you want to go on with this, uh-huh. you can. 
um, or not. And I kind of made that headspace decision. I thought, well, do you know, at the end of the day, even to earn a reasonable middle-class salary as a musician, and I always wanted to be a musician, by the way, I have no interest in pop stars at all. Uh -huh. But being a musician and creating music and writing songs was always my thing. Um, and I thought, no, I would really need to be really very successful to do that. Um, and there's no way my mum and dad were going to let that happen, right? Because that just didn't happen. You you went to university, you got a job, you got a wife, and you had a wean. Yeah. Um, so so that wasn't that wasn't in the game plan. Um, so I can we can I just kind of passed that by, and then when I went to Manchester again, I was expecting to be writing the clinical stuff. So I spent a lot of time on the wards, I would go to A&E sometimes in the evening because as I say, I learned by doing. Uh -huh. and, I, and I learned more than, more like that than mm -hmm. I did from lectures and books and what have you. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, I, th I think God always said that. In fact, I, I don't think I know. God had a kind of plan for where he wanted to put me yeah. at various points in my life. Now, sometimes I have to say that plan hasn't been always to my liking. Um, do you know, I would I would quite like to be a highly successful singer-songwriter and not be a doctor, but <laughs> that, that was, again, that's not what I was called to do. And to be honest, I, I do like being a doctor. It's good. Um, so I, I kind of passed that, but I, I got in tow with a, an, another really good singer-songwriter, a non-Christian guy uh -huh. uh, at that time guy called Tom Jones not the Tom Jones <laughs> but Tom Jones uh, and Tom Tom and I toured the folk clubs of England uh, for all the years that we were down in Manchester doing floor mm -hmm. spots and we had a wee game plan as a band what we would do was and there was another guy in the band called Chris Lilly and the, the, what the three of us would do is we'd go and do what's called a floor spot because in folk clubs are writing at their floor spots but what we'd do is we'd make our floor spots so good with so much like vocal harmony and stuff, we would blow the main band off the stage, see? And then a couple of weeks later, they'd have us back. <laughs> so it was a bit naughty, but, but great fun. Um, and then I qualified and man, as a junior doctor in those days, it was just, it was crazy. Uh -huh. Absolutely crazy. The hours were madness. Uh -huh. uh, you would go on call on a Friday morning at eight o'clock and you would finish on a Monday at five. Um, it was just uh, nuts. And But, you know, it made a man of you. <laughs> <laughs> and so what happened? Um, did, did you find that you weren't able to play as much or did you find that the music became a respite then? You know, how did that work? The music became a became a big release at that point. And in my latter years as a, as a student, I'd kind of lived for a wee bit when I was doing hospital placements in Edinburgh in a recording studio owned by two friends of mine. So I would play session guitar for folk and I would, you know, add vocal harmonies and help produce stuff and all that. So that was all kind of going on in the background. Uh -huh. When I was a junior doctor though, it became the guitar and, you know, dealing with the reality of life and death and those life and death decisions. And in those days, there wasn't the same amount of uh, support and oversight of junior doctors as there is now. Uh -huh. um, so you had to make very big boy decisions as a very young person uh -huh. um, because that was just how it was. You know, you just had to kind of get on with it. Uh, you learned an awful lot. Um, but I found that I had an outlet in music to 
kind of talk about the things about me that were really core to me. Yes. Of, you know, how I related to the world and, and particularly how I related to faith. And, uh-huh. and that really came in through what I was writing and singing about at that time. And Bogleman were also doing a lot of stuff at that point as well. Um, so I was just really busy all the time, like really, really busy all the time. Um, every day was filled with something. And then I met Joe. <laughs> and, and no, then, and that's the thing. Our, 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 all our, I, I think came a lot of the the viewers and the listeners to the weekly review. They they will feel they know Joe well. <laughs> absolutely. Well, there, there's a story about that. So I'm on the ward, and it's it's like my second or third day in, on the ward or whatever. And I'm, as usual, like I kind of come on the ward, my typical slightly chaotic, dyslexic self. I can't. I've got to take blood from this old guy and I don't have my tourniquet so I see this pretty wee nurse in the corner and I say could you come over and be a tourniquet and she kind of comes over and smiles and all that um, and uh, and she's my tourniquet and I say to this old guy I say listen um, she's quite pretty isn't she you know just making small talk and the old guy goes oh yeah you know she is doctor I said you know do you think she'd go out with me I said because I'm really shy I can't ask her could you ask her for me and the old guy is like oh, I think you better do that yourself son <laughs> and I said, oh no, but really, could you do it? And and then Joanne agreed to go out with me and the rest, as they say... Oh, it's history. It's history. It's history. A, a bumpy start, but we kind of got there. <laughs> oh, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, and, 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 it, and it was great. And Joe was very supportive of the music. I mean, Joe, every wife of a musician will say that, particularly a gigging musician, will have sat in a guitar shop holding a coat going when is this going to end you know and and I'd be saying things oh but listen to the tone of this and Joe would be like it's a pretty colour <laughs> you know, it's like the kind of men are from Mars and women are from Venus thing yeah. um, and as I say every other music widow will realise that you you sit at the back of a hall or a or, or, or a wherever and you listen to somebody doing a sound check and a snare drum you know boom boom <laughs> and it took her it took her a good five years to eventually say to me Ian I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> I'm happy to come and watch you play but I really don't want to come to the sound check um, but you know loads of things change as you get older in marriage <laughs> that's one of them Right, so then did you find then that, that family life became a, did that become a source of inspiration as well then for you? It, very much so. And and very much as, you know, I, I would kind of develop and continue as a songwriter because the experience of being a father and wh- when you, that particularly, uh, being a father, having kids, having responsibility. I mean, my main thing was always I need to look after my people. Mm-hmm. That was the big thing. That was like, that's ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the medicine thing had to continue, even though there was a lot of songwriting stuff going on in the background and a lot of playing going on in the background. Um, the medicine thing had to continue. And, um, and I think my songs were more informed by real life and and kind of real emotions you know i i was listening back i was actually remastering a very old album um that i'd done in edinburgh years ago with a band and uh i was just listening to this song and it's all this like 
kind of teen, late teenage, early 20s angst, you know? When am I going to find the love of my life? And, you know, why isn't you don't love me when I love you kind of nonsense? And these days I'd be like, and move on. It would be, be a very short song. <laughs> um, so, it, but, but now I wouldn't write about things like that. Now I would write about... Um, you know, what it's like to be a dad, you know, the, the worries, stresses, concerns about that and and real love. And I think real love is something that's not explored in songs very much. Mm-hmm. You know, and sacrifice. That's what, um, that's, that's what connects with people. You know, mm-hmm. that's what connects with people, you know, like when they're, they're listening to music or they're, you know, they're watching TV. I think that's why like soaps and things like that are so popular because it, people want to connect what is speaking to them in their life mm-hmm. and I think that's the thing as well like in, in church you know I think sometimes we make the mistake of not talking about real life enough yeah. you know yeah. and I think whenever yeah. you're able to bring that into your creative space mm-hmm. um, it's it can be really inspiring you know and it can be inspiring as well for the people that mm-hmm. listen I mean, definitely. One of, one of the things that, that certainly when Albert and I are writing together, and I've, I've, I'm very blessed with that. I think Albert and I are very blessed in a way that we can literally just meet up, sit down, knock out a couple of tunes that are quite good. Uh-huh. And we just seem to have that simpatico thing. We've, we've never argued over a song. Um, but what, I'll, what I will always try and do in my own writing and when I'm writing with Bogleband and, and others is to put words in songs that people actually say uh-huh. and scenarios that actually happen uh-huh. as opposed to some of the things that we, that we, we can sometimes hear, which are, you know, they're not real. Mm-hmm. They're kind of conflated things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think when you start to get down to real things and as I say, that kind of real love that you, you discover when you're a father, you know, that responsibility for other people's lives i think that does change your outlook and and medicine comes in there as well you know you meet people doctors patients as you go through and they'll pop up in songs they don't know that they're in the songs but they will pop up in songs Uh from time to time um situations that have that have happened you know that Mm -hmm. that they need to be written about they need to be put out there in some form or other And you, um, I'm thinking that you talk a lot about the people that you that you work with, and so I think that you know it sounds to me that that community is a big part of your inspiration. Um, it's huge. It's uh, absolutely Laura. It's just, it's huge. I mean, that the people that I meet and that I'm blessed to know, and and I, I like to see people that are incredibly fascinating to me. Um, and I, you know, I love to find out what makes them tick, um, and and I love to be part of that moment where you know somebody's healed or they come to a realization or you know they feel that they've been heard. Uh huh. And that and that's part of where music, what what my music's about is, it's to allow some emotions to be heard, even uncomfortable things just to be yeah. out there and heard um, because we connect with that in a really, really deep way. Um, and in a Christian sense, 
um, particularly with uh, the, and I write mainly Christians because I'm a Christian at the end of the day. It's it's like one of the corners, it's the cornerstone of what I am. Mm-hmm. And that comes out in my writing all the time. I mean, the boys who are now adults now, but the boys are always like, oh, dad, not another Jesus song, come on. <laughs> you know, and, and my mate, Matt, who's producing my current thing, um, he's like a very contemporary, very successful songwriter. That's how he makes his living. Uh, and Matt's like, right, look, I'm going to allow you two or three Jesus songs on this record, but that's it, okay? <laughs> Everything else, <laughs> it's got to be about life, life, and emotions uh-huh. and all that stuff. And I do that stuff as well. You know, uh-huh. I enjoy that stuff as well. Um, but yeah, community is important. Connection is incredibly important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes a song you'll hear your story come back to you yeah and that i think is a really powerful thing uh-huh. you know when you hear your story or your emotion reflected back to you in music and that's why i try and keep it about small and real things when i write um and not make it too grand or too highfalutin uh-huh. um and then we, what people do is they'll take in songs and I find this with a lot of my songs over the years. They'll take in songs and they'll decide what it means. You know, and people will come up to you after, or they used to when I, when I was doing a lot more gigs. I don't have so much time now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, people come up to you and, and they'll talk to you about songs. Yes. You know, um, and, they'll, and Albert and I have a bad habit, by the way, of when we play songs, I sing this is a song I wrote. But generally, if it's a Bogle band thing, it's a we wrote. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just going to put that down for the record, by the way, for anybody <laughs> listening to this. <laughs> oh, I have heard, I've heard Albert say quite a few times, yeah, this is a song I, I wrote with. with um, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. But equally, I couldn't lay claim to to them either. But, you know, you will get people coming up and they'll say, do you know that? I, I know that Albert wrote that. You know, if it's a gig situation, for you, I know that Albert wrote that about me and xyz and i know that i wrote it <laughs> you know I, or, or that i had a big hand in writing it and the subject matter certainly wasn't that yes um Aye. you know it, it was something completely different uh, that was going on in my head at the time uh but i think that's the beauty of music it's well, like you put your own story on it isn't <laughs> it you know and you make it you make it personal and you and you make it you make it your own and yeah. then it's just it's that is quite amazing whenever mm. you know you can it, it's like a collective ownership isn't it? it it is and and in worship as well i think that writing worship songs is a particular skill i mean our one of our collaborators um uh oh gosh i'm gonna forget his name this time. he's gonna kill me for this um oh that he's going right in my head he does all these worship songs for us every blooming time goodness Oh, that's terrible. I can't. I, his name just came out of my it's head. It's the pressure of the recording. <laughs> it's the, that's what it is. The, the record lights on. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> this is why I like recording at home, by the way, because big, stu- you know, all the big studios, it's always like, oh, no, I need to really do my best here. <laughs> and it puts pressure on you. But when you write for worship, when you write worship songs or songs that are kind of geared in that way, I think that's a special skill. Um, but I think, again, I'd like to ground it in, you know, in, in absolute reality. I, I did a song for Crossreach called Bring Me In mm-hmm. uh, that they sing at their services. Um, and I remember the uh, when you're writing a song for somebody, they'll sometimes have requests. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And the tone of that song was very much came from my heart about in- inclusivity mm-hmm. and, and bringing people in. And that's their, that bring me in is their, that's their motto. Um, and one of the lines in the song was, throw your arms around me, you include me in. That's what I wrote. Uh-huh. But they got back to me and they said, Ian, could you make it sense your arms around me? And, and I did, because look, at the end of the day, they're paying for it, right? Uh, <laughs> or not paying for it, actually. I never did get paid. Do you know what? I never did get paid for that, but that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> what does matter, though, is that when you're doing it for somebody else, sometimes they'll have requests at that. And they say, no, no, we want you to re-record it and put sense. So I did that, and that was fine. But to me, the whole ethos of the song was that big, wide... Throw your arms around me. Because to me, that's what Jesus is. Uh-huh. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Aye. It's a throw. It's a wide open invitation, mm-hmm. um, you know, to love. And, and that, that's, what I, that's what the original recording, which still exists, <laughs> um, uh, had, had on it. So, yeah, that's a bit about songwriting and stuff. Uh, the producer's cup. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, so, um... I'm thinking about, there must have been times whenever um, there's, you know, maybe been times whenever you have been feeling quite low, Mm. you know, especially, you know, whenever there's a lot of pressure, you know, with Mm. work and family Mm. and things like that. And so how, how do you, and this is a thing that I think a lot it stifles a lot of people in their creativity, you know, and they lose confidence in themselves you know, when they feel then that, you know, they maybe can't share or, um, you know, they don't want to put their self forward or their work, work forward. And so how have you managed to overcome the, the low times so that you can manage your confidence, you know, that you can keep, um, you know, because being a songwriter, you make yourself vulnerable. Being a mm. musician, you make yourself vulnerable, even when you're like being part of a collective, you know, in a band. So mm. how have you managed the times, Ian? It's it's really difficult because uh, I've, you know, had had some very very low points, and I sometimes write about them when when we do uh, when I write for Sanctuary first, mm-hmm. um, and I've had some really low low points in my life, and and you know, I've, I've had loved ones die that have affected me very 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 deeply in ways that took years to uh-huh. sort out in my head um and i know when i when i when i feel that way because i almost feel as if there's a hand across my mouth you know there's nothing i've got nothing to say uh-huh. um i've got nothing to say at work i've got nothing to say to anybody because i'm not worthy of saying anything and that, and I, I do get that sense from time to time you know or or, or if things go go badly at work um and and that unfortunately in in my life means that things have may have gone badly for a patient and maybe nobody's uh-huh. fault but you know often you get blamed for things that are simply not your fault stuff just mm-hmm. happens um and and that can be hard to bear so but as a musician what i'll do is i'll start tapping into chords on the guitar this is my process mm-hmm. so I'll pick up a guitar and I'll just start to play now what that does for me is um it unlocks something in here uh-huh. and and then I'm able to articulate what I feel in a song mm-hmm. or in what I'm writing 
um, or sometimes the words words of a song will come along and I'll borrow that because it's got really special meaning but it's the music that's comes that has come first uh-huh. um, and an example of that would be that, that there's an album out there by 316 uh, and on it there's a track and it's it's a very traditional kind of Scottish vibe to this song and I was flipping through the hymnary because I just couldn't think of lyrics but I knew what I wanted to say but I just could not think of what lyrics I would put to this tune and I came across the old hymn Love Lifted Me and it totally fit with the music that was in my head with what Campbell my collaborator had had written and I would say of all the songs that that you know i've i've played it's it's that that particular one uh moves me an awful lot because i do think that that's the story of my life actually is the story of my life uh-huh. uh, you know if it wasn't for faith if it wasn't for the people in my life and if it wasn't for music and how that unlocks feelings in me um i'm not sure I, i'm not sure i would still be here to be perfectly honest i think that as I say, there have been times where life has looked very bleak, indeed. Uh-huh. Um, and I think, to be honest, being in touch with your emotions is part of being a songwriter. Yeah. Um, and my mate Matt would say, you write better songs when you feel down. And that's true. You know, you don't, it, it, it's more difficult to write a happy song. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes you, you can do it, you know. Um, so that that's my process. My process uh-huh. is you start with a harmony because... I think if you go outside or you just spend a quiet time, there is a kind of thrum to the universe. There's an underlying harmony. The only time I've heard that really expressed was I was once in a meeting where people began to sing in tongues round about me. Yeah. Never, never heard that before. And I, and I actually heard that sound. Uh-huh. That sound of the universe. You know, that, that sound, that sound of God, that, and that was amazing. Um, and I think if you sit really still and quietly and center yourself and listen, you'll begin to hear the music round about you. And there's music in everything. There's music in the cars that go past. There's music in the fan heater that's going. There's music in that. There's a harmony. You can hear it. Uh-huh. Um, one, one wonderful experience I had once, like another one, um, was in St. Andrews on the pier and the wind was blowing an absolute hooli. And we shouldn't have been down the pier, but we'd been to the pub, so the pier seemed like a good idea. Um, maybe not such a good idea to go in the way back. So we, so we went to the end of the pier anyway, and I'm standing at the end of the pier, just looking across St. Andrews Bay. Absolutely beautiful night, but blowy. And the wind made the, the fencing and supports vibrate. Uh-huh. And it sang. Oh. It's just amazing, you know? Uh-huh. And I thought, you know... God, creator of everything, that's music coming from nothing. And that's how the best songs happen as well. They just come along, uh-huh. you know? Oh, Ian, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. And I think that's just the perfect place for us to finish with this image and this you know feeling of the music of the world and god's creation all around us 
because I could I could honestly talk to you all day, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if our if our listeners would absolutely. <laughs> They'd be like, no, not them again. <laughs> no. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Ian, for talking to us today and leaving us with that, that just that beautiful picture, you know, of music and God's creation. And um, we will um, we'll speak again on at the weekly review. Quite possibly. Um, <laughs> But thank you so much and thanks for taking the time um, to, to just get your thoughts with us. Um, thanks so much. Inspires you. And I really think that it will be an inspiration for, for the people that have listened in. Um, so thank you and Good thank you for, to our listeners and we will be back again in a couple of weeks. See you later. See you later. Take care, Laura. See you later now. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye.